ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد in the last session then we were discussing the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the opening pillar of the six pillars of Iman. And we mentioned that belief in Allah, it comprises of the three basic principles, and that is regarding the rububiyyah of Allah and the uluhiyyah of Allah, and the names and attributes of Allah. Ar-Rububiyyah was the Iman that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is singled out, unique in regards to his actions in terms of creation, in terms of providing and sustaining the creation in terms of controlling the creation, in terms of giving life and death, in terms of sending the provisions and the rain, all of those actions are specific and unique to Allah. And nobody else participates with Allah or aids Allah, helps Allah in any of those affairs. They are actions specific to Allah. That is the rububiyyah of Allah. Then there was the uluhiyyah. And that is to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with our actions and our worship, whether it is worship in the heart, upon the tongue, upon the limbs, we single out Allah with all forms of our worship and we do not direct any of our worship to others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is al-uluhiyya. Just as Allah told us in the Quran, وَاعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and do not associate any partners to him. And then there was the third aspect of the belief in Allah and that is Al-Asma'u wa-Sifat The names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we believe Allah has the most perfect and beautiful of names and attributes and that these cannot be comparable to anything in creation. Nobody is of the equal to Allah and that is what Allah has told us in the Quran. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say that he is Allah, the one, Allahus Samad. He is a Samad, 
the one who all of the creation turns back to with their needs. قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ اللَّهُ الصَّمَدُ لَمْ يَلِدْ وَلَمْ يُولَدْ وَلَمْ يَكُلْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدُ That he did not beget nor was he begotten and nor does he have any equal or resemblant. So we single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with his beautiful and perfect names and attributes at the pinnacle and peak of perfection for Allah. Those were the three aspects of our belief in Allah. The mushrikun, they used to accept ar-rububiyyah. They accept that Allah is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the one who gives life and death. The mushrikun at the time of the Prophet ﷺ did not have an issue with that. Their issue was where al-uluhiyyah that they would not single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with worship. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَتَّخِذُ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ أَنْدَادًا يُحِبُّونَهُمْ كَحُبِّ اللَّهِ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ حُبًّا لِلَّهِ That there are those who take partners alongside Allah and they love them as they love Allah. But the believers, they are greater in their love for Allah. They are pure in their love for Allah. They are not splitting their worship, their love between Allah and others. So that is where their issue was when the Prophet said to them, Qulu la ilaha illallah tuflihu say la ilaha illallah and you will be successful. But they replied, أَجَعَلَ الْآلِهَةَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا Has he made all of our gods into one God only? He wants us to worship one God only? Then that is something strange. They would not accept al-uluhiyyah to single out all of their worship to Allah alone. So those were the three aspects of our belief in Allah. There was some homework. The first question on the homework was, what is the evidence that Pharaoh, Fir'aun, at the time of Musa السلام, believed in Allah even though he proclaimed upon arrogance Ana a'la, that I am your Lord the Most High that is what he proclaimed but inside of himself he knew the truth he knew that there is the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But what is the proof and the evidence for that? Anyone then? The ayah is what? 
Which is what? That's one, but there's a better one. Oh yeah, we need evidence. The homework course give us the evidence. getting closer and closer warmer and warmer but what is the ayah you had a month or six weeks when was the last time a month at least to find one ayah as a proof that pharaoh recognized the reality deep down which is what what does it say Pharaoh said to Haman, build me a tower hmm? that I might arrive at the ways, the ways of heaven, that I may look upon the living and the God of Musa. Mm -hmm. This is when Pharaoh was attempting, in a way, to belittle Musa salam. He said to his people, build me some towers, let me see where this Lord of Musa is. That was almost again his arrogance in attempting to belittle but looks like nobody has got the ayah. In which case the homework is extended. What? What's the ayah? We need the ayah. 90 to 91. Nobody has memorized numbers. What's the ayah? That's already been said. That is not the one we're looking for. But even before that point, at that point, he repents or, or he claims that now he believes in Allah, etc. But even before that, even before that, he always knew deep down the truth. But what is the proof that he always knew deep down the truth? The home. Ah, is there an answer from over there? Well, let's have a look. The brothers couldn't do anything. Ah, too late. Don't speak now. Let's have a look at the paper. Numbers. Somebody find the numbers. What's the ayat? Check them. Uh, read the numbers out. Qasas, what number? 28. That's, uh, what's the other one? What's the Qasas, uh, the other one? What's the ayah read? That's the Qasas one? We're still not there. In which case, time is up, prayer is coming. The homework is extended for two weeks. The challenge is opened up for two more weeks to find an ayah in the Quran that affirms that Musa, uh, that uh, Fir'aun, Deep down, he knew the reality, even though openly he was rejecting and doing everything he was doing against Musa alayhi salam. 
there is one particular ayah in particular that the scholars use as an evidence. Some of these others you've given, yes, they could apply. But there is one other we need. So the homework is open for two more weeks for somebody to bring that. The second homework was regarding the throne of Allah. Anybody have anything regarding the throne of Allah? It is the ceiling of creation, the highest point of creation. The greatest of creation, you could say, in terms of its size and magnitude. Some scholars, they say it is the first thing that was created with the difference being between that and the pen. On the day of judgment, the angels will carry the throne of Allah. And what is the size of those angels that will carry the throne of Allah? From the earlobe to the shoulder of the angel, the gap would take 700 years for a bird to fly through. From the earlobe to the shoulder of the angel. That is the size of one of those angels. We'll break there for the prayer and then we'll carry on after the prayer, inshallah. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد Moving on to the next section in the workbook then, it now talks about kufr and shirk and the different types of kufr and shirk. And that is because Wallahu jalla wa ala kama annahu bayyana al-islam wal-iman wa waddahahuma لعباده كذلك بيّن الكفر والشرك من أجل الحذر منهما واجتنابهما سيترون وات سو الله سبحانه وتعالى just as he clarified to us the affairs of al-Islam and of al-Iman, then similarly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us of shirk and kufr and its types in order that we can stay away from them, in order to be able to be warned from them and precautious 
and not fall into them. And that is just like Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu anhu used to say, كَانَ النَّاسُ يَسْأَلُونَ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ عَنِ الْخَيْرِ وَكُنْتُ أَسْأَلُهُ عَنِ الشَّرِّ مَخَافَةً أَنْ أَقَعَ فِيهِ أَوْ مَخَافَةً أَنْ يُدْرِكَنِي He said the people used to ask the Prophet sallallahu about the good but I used to ask him about the bad fearing that otherwise I may fall into it meaning that if you don't know what that evil is then you may well end up falling into it without realizing. So that is why it's important for a person to know about kufr and shirk and these affairs too, in order to make sure that the person is well away from it. Firstly then, al-kufr. What does the word actually mean in the Arabic language? Kufr. Kafir. What does that word actually mean in the Arabic language? Anybody? It means to conceal something, to cover something. To conceal something or to cover something up. So that's why in the Arabic language, linguistically speaking, a farmer can be known as a kafir. Not a disbeliever, a farmer. Because a farmer sows the seeds. He conceals them underground. Hides them into the soil. He is performing, inverted commas, kufr concealment of those seeds in sowing them into the ground so linguistically kufr it means to conceal something in the context of the religion when we talk about kufr and kafir then it obviously means something a bit more specific than general concealment it means the concealment of the truth a person who puts the truth behind their back, throws it away, conceals it, hides it, gets rid of it, then that person is the kafir. A person who gets rid of iman, hides it, throws it away behind his back, then he is the kafir, Islamically speaking. That is what we refer to as kufr. In terms of the types of kufr, Generally speaking, then there are two types of kufr. Two types of kufr. There is the major kufr and there is the minor kufr. The major kufr, it expels you from the fold of Islam. Major kufr expels you from the fold of Islam. Whereas minor kufr would not dictate your expulsion from Islam. Minor kufr would not dictate your expulsion.
expulsion from Islam, whereas major kufr expels an individual from Islam. That's the two main categories of kufr, major and minor. Major being the type that a person who does it is exited from Islam. Minor kufr though doesn't necessitate him now exiting from Islam. Now then, focus in on the major kufr section. Major kufr in of itself has subcategories. There are different types of things that all fall into major kufr. So initially we said there are two types, major kufr, minor kufr. That's the overall two types. Now we're looking at the major kufr section. This now has subsections. The major kufr has subsections. The first of them, kufr al-juhud. Juhud basically means like rejection. Meaning a person in his heart knows and recognizes the truth but openly and apparently rejects it out of arrogance, out of haughtiness. Outwardly the person rejects it, but inwardly the person recognizes and realizes the truth within themselves. And this could be said to be the state of the majority of the kuffar it could be said that the state of the majority of the kuffar is a state whereby deep down they recognize the reality but from their desires and from their whims and whatever it may be then they reject it outwardly and openly and this is exactly the type of kufr which is mentioned regarding Fir'aun. And the homework we have been speaking about to perhaps give a clue. It is in Surah Naml. Surah Naml. That's where you will find the answer to the ayah which shows how Fir'aun deep down knew but outwardly and openly rejected the truth out of oppression and transgression and wrongdoing and haughtiness and arrogance. Whatever the affair may be that causes them to reject outwardly and openly. That is the first category. The second category, Kufru Takvib. That is to belie. Meaning, this type of Kufr is when they used to say about the Prophet wasallam that he's not truthful. He's just a magician. He is just a soothsayer, he is a fortune teller, he is this, he is that, he is a madman. All of the types of things they used to say 
to belie, to say that the Prophet ﷺ is not coming with the truth, he's only a madman, he's only a magician. So they would deny the truth in that way. A denial of the truth in this way by rejecting the, the authenticity of the Prophet ﷺ, to belie the Prophet ﷺ. The third category, Kufr al-Shakki wal-Dhan, the Kufr of doubts, doubts, and that is when a person is in doubt about what the messengers came with, and he begins to believe due to this doubt of his that the prophets and messengers did not come with the truth. He starts to reject it from his doubts that build up in his mind about their authenticity. So having these doubts and this level of doubts in your mind, did the prophets and messengers really come with revelation from Allah? Or maybe they didn't. To have this type of doubt and this lack of aqidah, then it is major kufr. A person who rejects and does not believe with certainty that it is all revelation that came to the prophets and the messengers. The fourth category, Kufr al-I'raz, the Kufr of turning away, shunning away, turning your back to it. A person who turns his back on the religion does not want to learn it, does not want to practice it, shuns away the religion, throws it away, turns his back away from it, wants nothing of it, then that can be considered as major kufr. A person who absolutely turns his back on Islam, doesn't want anything to do with it, doesn't learn it, doesn't practice it. And that is the example, as Allah said, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا عَمَّا أُنذِرُوا مُعْرِضُونَ Those who disbelieve in that which they were warned against, and they are shunners, they shun away, they turn their backs against it. The fifth category of kufr is kufrun nifaq. Kufrun nifaq. And nifaq being hypocrisy. The kufr of hypocrisy. And the kufr of hypocrisy, there is two types of hypocrisy. One of them is major kufr, one of them is not. What are the two types of hypocrisy then? The two types of nifaq. Kufr al-nifaq al-i'tiqadi and the other one. So one type of hypocrisy is the hypocrisy in belief. And the other hypocrisy is the hypocrisy in action. Belief and action. Which of the two is major kufr? Belief. 
a person who has hypocrisy in belief, major kufr. An example of somebody who had hypocrisy in belief, um, a general people, a general people, the munafiqun at the time of the Prophet wasallam, they fell into nifaq of belief because openly they used to pretend to be upon Islam and Iman and inwardly in their belief they did not have any belief in Islam and Iman they rejected it so they were upon nifaq of belief of aqidah they did not have Iman in their hearts they rejected it only pretended on the outside that is major kufr that's the one that Allah said regarding إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ فِي الدَّرْكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ That indeed the hypocrites will be in the lowest pits of the hellfire. What is the other type of hypocrisy then? The hypocrisy of actions. Hypocrisy in actions. And that is mentioned by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ayatul munafiqi thalath The sign of a hypocrite is three things Iza haddatha kathab When he speaks he lies Wa idha tumina khan If he is entrusted with something he betrays that trust Wa idha wa'ada akhlafa and if he makes a promise, he breaks that promise. These have been mentioned as examples of hypocrisy in action. So lying is a type of action which is hypocrisy. It is an action of hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in action. Lying, that's one of the characteristics of the munafiqun. Breaking your promises, betraying and being treacherous. All of these types of characteristics are characteristics of the... Of who? The munafiqun. Lying and betraying and being treacherous and breaking your promises. All of these are characteristics of the munafiqun. So a person who does those things has done actions of... The hypocrites, actions of hypocrisy. But does that make you a kafir? A person who lies, he's done an action of the hypocrites, but does that make him kafir? No. So the hypocrisy of actions is not such that it exits you from the fold of Islam just like that. So you have these two types of hypocrisy. When did hypocrisy first arise? When did hypocrisy first begin? We're talking about this ummah. In Medina? When? When exactly? Pinpoint a time. Pinpoint a time in history, a date, uh, an event. The Hijra, what do you mean? Sorry. 
So when they made the hijrah and they went to Medina, then hypocrisy began, you're saying? So there was no hypocrisy before the hijrah? Anybody? One answer we have here is that when the hijrah occurred, after the hijrah occurred and they went to Medina, hypocrisy began. Indicating that there wasn't really any hypocrisy before that then. Anybody any comments with that? That was in the Battle of Tabuk. That was much later. Mm -hmm. What does everybody think about the opinion that came here? That hypocrisy began after the hijrah basically. Anybody agree? Anybody want to support the brother? One person over there gives him support. Anybody else? Nobody else wants to give him support. So everybody else is against him. Are you either, you're either supporting him or you're not? One of the two. Do you support his opinion or do you not? Either you support his opinion and you say yes. Hypocrisy began after the hijrah. When they got to Medina. So it didn't exist before that. You either support that, you agree with that, or you say no, you don't agree with that. So now there's a few agreeing. So the majority still don't want to put down support for the brother. Well, it would have been a good idea to put down support for the brother. Because hypocrisy began after the hijrah. Hypocrisy began after the hijrah. Why is the question? How and why after the hijrah? Why was there no hypocrisy and hypocrites before the hijrah? Be uh -huh. Before the hijrah, where were they? In Mecca. Who was in charge of Mecca? The mushrikun, the kuffar. Did any of them need to pretend to be Muslim when they had authority and were in charge anyway? When Medina happened, the hijrah, and Muslims now took control, the kuffar now had a reason to pretend to be Muslims. Everybody was now Muslim. They thought maybe they were under threat, etc. So now they had a reason to pretend to be Muslims. In Mecca, they had control and authority anyway, the kuffar. They didn't need to pretend to be Muslims. But in Medina is when it occurred. So the hypocrisy began in Medina after the hijrah. Then you mentioned the story of Masjid al-Dirar. That story is regarding a mosque that they built. The hypocrites built a mosque. Next to Masjid Quba. Everybody knows Masjid Quba on the outskirts of Medina. Then at that time, at the time of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, some of the munafiqoon built a mosque next to Masjid Quba. Why would munafiqoon, hypocrites who weren't even Muslims, they were only pretending, why would they go and bother to build a mosque? 
almost, almost. So there must have been some, some secondary plan. There's no way munafiqun who aren't even Muslim, they're only pretending, are going to build a mosque for no reason. There must have been some plan. What was the plan? The plan was the munafiqun, the hypocrites at that time, they needed a base to get together and to make their plans against the Prophet But they couldn't keep getting together in somebody's house and somebody's shop and somebody's this or that. It would become obvious what are these guys doing always together planning and plotting. So they needed some type of base where they could get together, plot and plan against the Muslims without any suspicion being drawn to them. So they decided, build a mosque. We'll get together in the mosque five times a day. Sit there as much as you want. Is anybody going to get suspicious of that? A bunch of Muslims getting together, doing a class. Everybody will just say they stay in the mosque. They're studying, they're reading Quran, they're doing a class. They get together, they discuss, must be discussing a class or something. Anybody going to get suspicious at that? Whereas, whereas if you keep getting together in somebody's house every night and you're there till 2 a.m. every night, then the neighborhood starts thinking what's going on with this bunch of guys. So then they planned to build this basically fake mosque where they could get together on a regular basis, congregate, sit down, plan and plot, and nobody would get suspicious. They'd say, no big deal, it's a mosque. They get together, they pray. They maybe stay there afterwards in the night with the classes or whatever. Nobody's going to get suspicious. On top of that, to seal it, they built the mosque and then asked, invited the Prophet ﷺ to come and pray in it. Because if he came and prayed in it, that would be the seal of approval that this mosque is legitimate and good. The Prophet ﷺ prayed in it. So when they built it, they sent an invite to the Prophet ﷺ asking him that we've built a new mosque and obviously they're hypocrites. They built a new mosque and they've said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, come and pray in our new mosque we've built, come and visit us, etc. So of course at that time, the Prophet ﷺ initially said, yes, I'll come. But he was actually traveling out of Medina at the time on a battle. He said, when I get back, inshallah, I'll come visit the mosque. So then as he was returning from that battle at some point later, on his return to Medina, revelation came to him. The ayah, part B of the homework, find ayat. Which ayah? This is, uh, what do you call it? Um, what do you call it outside of the curriculum? Extracurricular? They have another word for it, no? Extracurricular. This is extracurricular homework. What is the ayah that was revealed to the Prophet ﷺ informing him, telling him that they are munafiqun who have built that so-called mosque. It's not really a mosque, they are munafiqun. An ayah came, revelation came, telling the Prophet 
as he was returning. So when that revelation came, now he knew what was going on, knew of the plan and the plot of the munafiqun, he sent some of the men ahead. Told them to go and to destroy that building. Burn it down. So they went and they burnt it down. They destroyed that building. It wasn't a mosque. It was built by the munafiqun as a pretense of a mosque. Because the building, even though it may have been like a mosque exactly, a building is built upon its intentions. Those kuffar munafiqun built it to attack Islam with, never built it as a place of worship for Allah. So that building was not classed as a mosque. So the Prophet ﷺ sent them to burn it down to destroy it. When it was destroyed and nothing was left but the rubble on that location, it is mentioned in the books of history that the people of that neighborhood used to go and use that plot of land where the rubble was now, where it had been destroyed, as their garbage dump. That became the refuse, the, the garbage dump. As a humiliation upon the munafiqun of what they tried to do. So that was the munafiqun. The munafiqun who faked that they are upon Islam and deep down they were not upon Islam whatsoever. That is the hypocrisy of belief. Kuffar. But the other hypocrisy is the hypocrisy in actions. That you lie or that you break your promises or that you betray, you are treacherous. All of those are characteristics of the munafiqun. So if you do them, you're doing a characteristic from the characteristics of the munafiqun. So that is hypocrisy in your actions. But that does not make you a kafir. Hypocrisy in belief is the hypocrisy of kufr. Let's have a look at the workbook. So question five, can a Muslim ever fall into hypocrisy? What's the answer? Which type of actions is what we're talking about? Could a Muslim fall into the other type? Absolutely, if he did it would be apostasy. But here we're talking about the hypocrisy in actions. Shirk and its types will begin with next time then. That is sufficient for today. The shirk and its types... We'll start with next time. That so far was kufr and its types. Shirk and its types. Slightly different. We'll begin with that from the next session in two weeks time. Uh, Insha'Allah ta'ala. Which will obviously now be after Maghrib in two weeks time. So we'll carry on then. Any questions or anything else to add? Absolutely, but we're not going to mention that now for two weeks. In two weeks' time, we'll mention that. I purposely didn't mention it. Don't want to give away the answer for the homework. The homework stands. That homework we mentioned, find the ayah regarding Fir'aun. And the extracurricular, for bonus points, find the ayah or the revelation that the Prophet ﷺ received informing him regarding the actions of the hypocrites. So we'll round off on that for tonight then.
ان شاء الله تعالى ان تو ويكس وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين